Hello and welcome to the second ever episode of Take All Comers, the new show on the Stat Check Network featuring myself, Tyler Bortel, and my lovely co-host, including uh, Nicholas Olson Johnson and the illustrious it's Lucas Troller. What's up? And today is the day of all days because we are out here in person in the same place in the great outdoors. Welcome to Beach Hammer, boys. We are out here talking about Grinding 101. This is an episode all about practice. It's all about practice, absolutely. We've got a practice weekend going on, and we're going to break it down for y'all. Uh, how to practice, when to practice, who to practice with, and what to do while you're doing it. But before we get into any of that, i got to check in with the boys, and it's weird that they're all here. How are we doing today, Lucas? I'm doing great. Um, it's been, you know, Beach Hammer is a regular tradition now for us uh, up here in the Northwest. Um, it's kind of like a fun little weekend excursion that we take to our buddy Kim's uh, beach cabin down in approximately Walport, Oregon. And uh, it's really fun that we've made this a regular thing every three months because yeah. it's fun to look forward to it and have it regulated on the schedule. So, uh, yeah, this is definitely one of my favorite weekends of uh, of, the, of each quarter. And I'm uh, just excited to be here. It's a, I think Warhammer is in a great spot right now, and I'm also like, you know, feeling good about where I am and things. So uh, I am uh, I'm very excited to be playing some games and seeing what's new how are you nick i'm feeling fantastic dude i had a great night's sleep um after staying up regaling tales of old tournaments and additions with my friends which is i mean really you know what this game is all about like the memories that you make uh the relationships that you have you know the friends that you spend your time with so i love the beach hammer brings that together and also the fact that we can just grind a ridiculous amount of 40k games in a three-day weekend so I'm happy. Uh, I got two games in yesterday, which is great. Uh, hoping to get like three or four in today. So, yeah, there have already been like six to eight games played Hell just yeah. on the arrival day, which is pretty cool. And yeah. we'll be here at least another 24 to 36 hours. So that should be fun. How you doing, Tyler? Sweet. I'm doing real well. There's no place like home and out in the woods is home for me. Having a great time uh, playing some really fun games, trying out some new stuff. Very exciting. Look forward to hearing about that in a minute. Um, but yeah, let's dive right into our, uh, our main in, uh, top epic of the show today, which is practice. I think the first question that's kind of on everyone's mind is what the hell are we talking about when we're talking about practice? We're talking about practice? NBA fans appreciate me. Um, so Lucas, if you think about a game as a specifically a practice game, like obviously we know what a tournament game is, but what dif differentiates it's in your mind, the difference between like going down onto your local game night on a Tuesday, it'll play some Warhammer against a stranger and getting a real practice rep in with, you know, other people who you're on a similar or skill level, similar page with, you know, what are, what are we looking for in a practice game? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. I think the, the answer to that really comes from that, that last bit you touched on, which is you want to surround yourself with practice partners who are all, um, are all on the same page with like what we are trying to get out of the game, right? So when I sit down for a practice game, like I do at Beach Hammer, and there's eight people to choose from of like, these are all fantastic players and they're all playing different armies uh, and they all know exactly what they're doing. A practice game really heavily involves um, you guys working together to figure things out. I think last night's game between you and me was a great example of this, yep. where we were just like trying to figure out, I went first playing Chaos Knights into Tau and rather than just like, detach after my uh, movement phase and let Nick do his thing or after my turn one and let Nick do his thing. We were kind of like, okay, this looks like a terrible spot for the towel. Let's try to like 
find little angles or things to do to uh, to get them back in the game. So um, it's less about, you know, I want to beat my opponent, which is kind of what you're experiencing at a tournament, and much more let's try to, like, figure out a, the, the most optimal way for both of us to play this matchup. So that can be not only talking during the game about what things are going on and what how to play more optimally, but also um, after the game, kind of recounting the fact you guys can both touch in on, like, what did you expect this matchup to be coming in? What was it in the end? Uh, and then kind of, like, any differences there so it's really that like constant dialogue between you and your opponent about what how the matchup is going and what you're thinking about it that it really defines practice for me what about you guys what do you think nick yeah i feel the same way um i'm not like a fan of practice games with like infinite takebacks like i'm gonna go for this completely ridiculous over-the-top risky play and then it you know you fall on your face and you're like ah let's just re-rack and it's like okay well let's you know Sometimes like if you go into the game and you tell your practice opponent, like, let's limit test this, I'm going to, like, run at you turn one, maybe we'll whiff, and, like, let's play from that position. I think that's a fantastic state of mind. Um, but, like Lewis said, it really needs to be a dialogue between you and your opponent. Um, and something that I really like is kind of, like, when we're playing, giving your opponent room to breathe, and then if it looks like they're stuck, maybe being like, hey, looks like you're kind of stuck. What if, like, we went with this? Or did you see this opening here? Or, like, this flank is kind of weak here. And it's, like, pointing out stuff. Because sometimes um, what I notice when I, like, try different armies especially is, like, maybe an army like Tau, for example. You're like, oh, my God, this army shoots ridiculous. And then you play that army. And you're like, oh, my God, it's so hard to actually shoot with this army. And so, like, learning the strengths and weaknesses like that, your opponent can offer you some really great perspective where you feel like this is a auto-loss situation. And then they go, like, hey, I'm actually terrified of this. What if we try out this interaction? So I think that's what's great. What you're saying, yes, the goal of Warhammer is to win, um, but certainly the game, uh, the goal of a practice game is to come out with both of you learning something from it. There's still going to be a winner, and I definitely don't like the, let's just keep going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth until we end up with a tie. <laughs> um, but just try to learn something from the game instead of just getting ran over and getting sad. You know, that's, there, There's that's a middle ground between, you know, um, constantly re-racking every single mm -hmm. scenario and um, going back in time and like, oh, I made a mistake here. Let's fix that. Start on my yeah. turn. Oh, I made a moving mistake. Let's just fix that. There's a sweet spot where you can learn a lot of things, um, but you're not constantly, um, you know, resetting the game. Those sticks forever. Yeah. Um, it's a nice little balance in there. Re-racking re is an important tool, though. You need to know when to use it, but it's not always. I think that I think that's a fantastic segue into the big question because I think re-racking is what's on everyone's mind when we're talking about practice. Um, what is the appropriate point to do a re-rack? You think what what in your brain in what signal goes off? You're like, mm, yeah, you know, let's let's call it, let's re-rack this, as opposed to mm, that's a mistake you're going to have to learn earn, earn from the hard way. You know, what, how do you how do you make that decision? Um, I oh, I think it's about time. I think you, from the moment you first realize, oh, this is going terribly, I want to re-rack this game, this feels awful, play one whole more battle round. Mm. Um, and okay. then at that point, you and your opponent can really assess, like, yes, this is truly doomed. I think both, again, both of the last games we've played, where yeah. I have run at you with Chaos Knights, and you're like, or not, not run at in the Botan game, but it looks horrible from you on the outset. And then we just kind of, like, brainstorm some ways to, like, you know, pick away at a flank, you engage me when I'm weak, um, deny my primary by shooting out like key war dogs. Um, and the game has ended up as like a tie. You know? Yeah, like, or, or a very narrow nine, Chaos yeah. Knight win. It's like when like from turn one, you're like, oh my God, I'm losing like 16-4. If Get we re that game, game, we would have lost so many valuable lessons on turn yeah. three to five. 
So that's why I feel like it's important to give yourself a full battle round because we gave Nick and myself a full battle round and then realized, oh yeah, it's dire, but it's not like an auto loss 20 And I feel like, especially in the team's jargon, 20 gets tossed around all the time. It's not that common. Unless there's a serious skill discrepancy between you and your opponent or something has gone catastrophically, it is very hard to get 20 in this game. So it's, it's much better to actually spend your time learning how to scrap and fight for every point than immediately putting yourself in the mindset of this is doomed, I give up. Because that's a great way to give up, you know, 20 to your opponent. Absolutely. And it is, we often see it as being valuable to practice how to execute your first couple turns and be in a winning position. But if you don't practice playing from the back foot, you're never going to win from the back foot. Yeah. Um, I have had a lot of games and tournaments where I put someone on the back foot, you do something clever early on, you put a little pressure, and they just throw their hands in the air and walk away. And that is a mentality that you can only bring in the practice sphere yeah. um, to bring into a, a tournament environment. When I was uh, more into, into sports, the big, big phrase that they would always say was, if you, if you practice like you play, you'll play like you practice. And like that level of constant like urgency and of uh, attention to detail, yeah. right? The sooner you get good at that at, at, at your, on your kitchen table, the sooner you're going to execute that on the... Uh, on the tournament hall. If yep. you find yourself of uh, not being able to execute, practice executing. It's not. It's not a that that crazy of an idea. Yep. Um, so uh, a little bit more on the the narrative side here. Um, what are you guys practicing right now? Um, I think I'm the easiest one because you guys have both had some faction jumping in the last little while, just trying to like figure out what's worth us practicing, and also just uncertain with the new data slate what's what's mm-hmm. going to be most effective um i've just continued to play orcs and ck uh, i played orcs two weekends ago at gongai the the gt that we had up here in forest grove had a lot of fun but um i think i am not 100 percent locked into this but i'm really only going to be playing my team usa practice games for orcs until the codex comes out because um i mean it's going to be in the next month or two anyway i just am not enjoying the uh the current attachment very much and uh, I'm ready for something new. So I'm going to like table that, put it on the back burner for a little while and play some stuff for CK. Um, a, because I feel like there's only like maybe one or two other CK players in the team and they all they have also primary factions that CK is kind of a secondary for them. So I feel like I'm kind of a CK responsibility, whereas Orcs, there's a couple more people on the team that are playing Orcs. Um, so I, I do feel like it's kind of my responsibility to, to dive deep into the faction. So I'm trying out the Lancer. I'm going to play some games with the Rampager maybe eventually. But unfortunately, it is looking like the all-dog build is still probably the strongest one. Yay. Um, so I'll be playing some games with that later this weekend as well. And just trying to unpack that faction a little bit. Um, and play a lot of practice games because the meta's definitely gotten shaken up. You know, CK is in mostly the same place but there's all sorts of new armies that are really good and also armies that were already good have new builds that i need to figure out things like eldar things like custodies um so i'm playing ck versus custodies right now so that's kind of where i'm at just trying to unpack the ck faction and on pause for orcs until the codex comes out very excited for that sweet what about you guys yeah um for me this practice weekend so not only team usa we are also planning on the champions cup yep. the event in september it's a big USA teams event uh, down in Texas where yes, people are coming internationally. Uh, so we have a local team of our like, local friends, local community that we have built and looking at our team roster, looking at the factions that the people specialize in, we noticed there were some like glaring holes um, specifically with a lot of uh, shoots gun armies because we are a lot of melee enjoyers. And so being the resident falls on the shoots gun sword for our team, 
Um, I decided to do that again. Uh, well, more I guess I kind of bribed into because someone pointed out that Votan is actually a shoots gun army and is very similar to uh, the Tau. So I've been practicing with Tau. I know that they have a codex not right around the corner. It could be one. Yeah, it's probably more like three months, right? Like, you know, the Dark Angels one's been super delayed, even though we saw that like two months ago. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I've been practicing Tau uh, just to kind of get a feel for how their army works because their, spoiler alert, army mechanic is very clunky. It takes a little bit of getting used to. Um, we have some Eldar here that I'm looking to practice as well because we don't have any, like, really Eldar players on the team. Uh, also keeping up Votan because, like Lucas said, for Team USA, my main factions for that are Votan and Necrons. We have a lot of Necron players, especially now. Uh, and we have like two Votan players, and one of them is not really playing the faction right now. So I'm kind of focusing on getting some data on Votan, just kind of making sure that there's not something super crazy there, or maybe there is. I don't know. Um, and last but not least is Necrons, uh, which I'm still practicing because learning how to play it them, learning how to play against them, learning what matchups they're strong and weak in is incredibly important right now for both teams and singles. So, yeah. Nice. Sick. Uh, I am, if you uh, if you listen to our first episode last week, at the end of the episode, we were talking about, uh, someone asked a great question, which was, if there is an army that you would, that you feel like you would, would I don't know you said, play well or enjoy playing, um, that was a different faction than you're playing right now, what would it be? Um, and my, like, unequivocal answer for that was Necron Hypercrypt, because, like, it does all of the kinds of bullshit that I love to do with GSC and with NIDS, but like it's actually a good army that like can do some damage. What a crazy idea. Um, and everyone on USA has been yelling at me to just play a good faction for a minute here. Um, I've been focused really hard on being the guy who's covering Unending Swarm and the only guy playing GSC right now. And like those are not super useful data, it turns out, um, because uh, those armies are okay. Like, And Unending Swarm definitely has a place in some teams' rosters, but like it's solved. Not not solved. That's that's yeah. a very strong word. But like you've got a very solid basis for where those factions are at. Yeah. You don't need to like deep dive them at this moment. We kind of understand what's going on there. Yeah, I, I have some other ideas for this form. Like I said, I want to try this Hormagon build and stuff that like are interesting. But like just continuing to do what I've done, which I've played like I think nine or ten games of Swarm this year so far, um, of just the same list over on USACTS. In addition to like going to two tournaments with it, like I. I've gotten enough of swarm reps. I it's trying to try something else. So we are playing uh, Necrons. Um, messing around with Hypercrypt, trying to help Ganyo get ready for um, for Pyra. List for that should be coming out soon. Not going to talk too much about the list because I think the Pyra lists aren't out yet. I think their list lock has happened, but I'll talk more about the list later um, on, a, on another show. But having a ton of fun with that nonsense. Um, tons, of, tons of bullshit, tons of durability, which is not a thing I'm used to having. But in a shocking turn of events, Catan are really hard to kill. Um, and just having a lot of fun uh, picking stuff up and moving stuff around. Um, and this seems like a good opportunity for personal growth to like play a strong faction as people keep telling me to do or something. So look forward to more of that. We'll see how it's going. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's all very exciting for us. Yeah. Sweet. I had a ton of fun. You mm-hmm. and I yeah. worked on that game together against mm-hmm. Lucas yesterday. That was fun. Yeah, that was super cool. I know, it's always fun sharing a faction you're excited about with someone else who's excited about it. hundred percent. Like watching their eyes light up as they're all like, oh my God, you can do this. I can do this, like, dude. I can yeah. do this. Yes, you can. Yeah. So that'll be a, that'll be a, a good thing. Um, Looks like we've got a question from Peter. Yeah. From Piotr. Um, asks, who is the team's anti-Imperial guard right now? Seems to be the scariest right now with its control of teleport armies and elite melee builds. 
Um, so in teams, who has a good guard matchup? That's a great question, and I think that one we are uniquely unqualified to answer. We uh, in the Northwest, we don't really have a lot of guard players, um, so we don't we're not practicing against this a ton. We're not playing it ourselves. Um, just in terms of like, unless you guys have anything hard data related. I, I know to that like having offer. looked at a bunch of matrices, it seems like Vanguard Marines are pretty solid into them. It's yeah, uh, it seems like you want to kind of hit them where they're uncomfortable, which is their soft squishy insides in their castle. Yeah. So dropping a bunch of, you know, constantly threatening the Centurion teleport, some kind of midfield rush with uh, the infiltrating unit and then the three inch deep strike from Inceptors obviously. Yeah. Having played that a couple times, Inceptors are not fantastic into the holes, like mm-hmm. less than you would anticipate, because yeah, you can melt the one that has oath, yeah. but then the other guys, like they pop smoke and you hit on fours, and that's kind of yeah. not good. Um, My experience with GSC and Guard has been pretty solid. I think yeah. that, like they have the tools to do the thing. I don't know if they're great at it. Uh, the Swarm also plays fantastic into it going first and decent into it going second. A lot of very wrappable holes yeah. is a pretty exploitable thing. I understand they have a decent amount of flamers to go around, but like if we're talking about um, not Catechins with flamers and Chimeras, but all the, um, what are they called? Kasserkin uh, in Chimeras, dropping it down to just two flamers doesn't get the job done. Right. Um, the open topped being not flamer. Um, so I think that there's, there's a, a lot of play in some of the less exciting factions, but guard counter a lot of the top dogs real hard. They do. Um, I think another thing is people are just used to playing against certain kinds of shooting in 10th edition, right? Mm-hmm. We've, we've seen a lot of terrain getting denser because holy shit, right? Um, you know, Eldar and CSM are going to blast you off the board if they can have direct line of sight to you. That's less true now because with a lot of those like heavy shooting units like Wraith Guard, Forge Fiends, Obliterators kind of getting toned down quite a bit. Um, guard don't have that level of direct shooting. No. Right? They have a tank commander or two. They have some Kasserkin, which don't really shoot that hard. They're just a good all-arounder unit. And then it's just artillery. So get reckless. Um, drive toward them. Try to put a lot of the builds are like super greedy, going for like five or six artillery pieces and are really slim in the midfield. If you just throw your army away to keep them out of the midboard for, you know, two or three turns and then just get a whole bunch of points while that's happening, you can kind of like creep in on their castle while scoring all your points and then they can kind of fold. So I feel like especially transport heavy armies, but ones that can apply a lot of pressure early, maybe even things like Botan. Honestly, with Mm -hmm. army-wide scout, if you go first, you just charge their entire army on turn one. Like, what Mm -hmm. is guard supposed to do? They have no fallback and shoot. Yeah. Um, Any kind of that can get aggro like that early is really strong. The thing to remember when playing into something like guard who are indirect heavy army who ignore the indirect penalty right is that they do not punish you for getting close to them yeah right their shooting does not get more efficient when you get in their face like a lot of armies that are a shooting castle if you try to throw something in and overextend every single gun is pointed at you now you're dead if every single gun was already pointed at you they're not getting any better at that and they do not like you being in their face so be willing to play mega aggressive into guard if you want to get those kind of results Yeah. yeah i would say kind of like lucas said unfortunately we do have one local guard player who did just come back the meta so mm-hmm. we're hoping to get some more practice into him um hoping to ring up some more practice games online as well um but yeah i agree votan i think can be fairly decent they don't seem extremely weak to like getting ignore los as like compared to like eldar right it's not always just going to get ripped apart by ignore los you're relatively resilient to the basilisks with yep. three wound bikes and t10 sagittars yep yep um but like you said you can't dawdle around and just wait for them to kill you you have to like keep them in their dz while scoring as much primary as you can. And yes, eventually they'll probably kill you because it's really hard to kill all the tanks back there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as long as you can keep them from like taking the midboard um, and force them to shoot the things in front of them that are like threatening to tag their tanks and keep them there instead of clearing the stuff holding your primary, 
seems pretty decent. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I, I have enjoyed that Hearthguard unit ingressing in as well. The mm -hmm. with Grim Demeanor because it ignores yeah, all the movement slowed. penalties from the Basilisk. Yeah. So that's one thing that like Guard really has to watch out for. In the past, at least, in the previous meta when I played against Guard at some tournaments, um, dropping that unit in like a midfield ruin just made it impossible for them to approach into the midfield and really like cemented the primary there. So it looks like the or the fellow who asked the question says in Poland we tested a lot in Imperial Guard assumes has maybe Botan as a counter. Yeah. So yeah, cool that we both identified that. Seems like anyone that can get aggressive into them early is is really strong. Yeah. I see it. Absolutely. Sweet. Cool. You guys have anything else you want to mention about practice? We jump into some listener questions. Some show questions. Sweet, we got a bunch of listener questions here. Uh, first off, from John Johnson uh, says, "Tyler, uh, gun to your head, you have to take a Hierophant Bio Titan to an RTT spitball list, and how do you maximize Big Mama's potential?" What is a Hierophant Bio Titan? I don't uh, even know what the, which uh, one. All right, says. so Hierophant Bio Titan has a ton of shots. They're like some of the only really, really good shots that Nids have. They're like strength ten, AP three, three damage. I think I'm literally going to pull this data sheet up because I. Make no promises about my ability to remember. Remember uh, a data sheet you don't play? Uh, when I'm not allowed to play at WTC, it's a Titan. True. Um, yeah, 10 D6 plus 6 blast shots from each gun. So 2 D6 plus 12 blast shots, double blast okay. on threes at 10 3 3. Okay. Cool. And then it has a 3 D6 flamer at 7 2 1 12 and 3 D6 at 7 2. Jesus. And it's assault. Okay. Surely this thing's like 800 points. Uh, yeah, it is 810. Ooh. <laughs> and then defensively, it's two up save, T14, 30 wounds. Jesus. Five up in one. All right, so first thing I'm doing is I'm making this invasion fleet. It just has to be, right? You yeah, need to you be able to throw a feeling of pain on this bad boy yeah. if you're going to get any mileage out of her. And then the other thing to remember is that she's a transport. She holds 20 or six multi-wounders. She cannot transport fly, which is so lame because I want to put gargoyles in her so badly. So in lieu of that, we're going Hormigaunts because yeah, she can't... <laughs> Because she can't, uh, because she can't transport fly. You can't put like a hit squad of melee warriors with a prime because the prime flies. So I would just go twenty hormigons and they just go right. Mm. They get places because they're still movement ten, so another movement thirteen plus d six with advance and charge. Like we're getting places. We're wrapping stuff up. Yep. Um, her main gun is assault, but her secondary gun is not. So I'm probably still taking a hive tower. Is so expensive in an 810 point unit. It makes the but the feeling pain you want to spam every turn free though, which is pretty good. It does, and it lets her advance and and, and shoot. So she's cutting every angle and everything, okay. and she's yeah, Titanic. So that. I think you take a hive tyrant, and then it's just probably so that's, stuff. That's like a thousand points. You take a biovore because you still need the infinite scoring. Yeah, and then you take. And I think, and then I think you want like maximum loan ops, right? Yeah, you I, want e at least four. Yeah, of you the want lictor two types. or three neurolictors, death leaper, two or three lictors, so that basically your plan is you're just gonna put all of your eggs in her basket because you don't play an hundred point model, not put all your eggs in the basket. Yeah. Shove her as far forward as possible with a hive tyrant right behind her, and then just like loan ops places. If you can fit a malaceptor, I think that would be a good additional bug if you want one more big bug. Totally. Something else that's really thick that can benefit from the feel no pain. That could be really excellent. Yeah. Um, Do uh, venom throws work on Titanic? Or they no? give them cover. But like you're always going to have it. You're, you're always like, going to have it because she's huge. Legs going to be behind a yeah, wall. Yeah. Your tail or your gun Amazing. or something. I love yeah. cover. This so edition. that's not that's a concern. Great. Um, so yeah, I think that's that's her shtick. What's her <laughs> what's her thing? Every t cover. okay, she gets plus one to hit against battle shock units. So you definitely want three neurolictors. Oh yeah. Um, because then she's plus one to hit and plus one to wound. So she'll be strength ten plus one to wound. Saucy Pretty hitting good. on twos. Very saucy and um, could be lethal or could be sustained against infantry. True. As appropriate, because you're invasion fleet. Every time she makes a normal fallback or advance, she moves over four or less because she's titanic, so she's just 
going. Going over stuff. Um, and yeah, with movement 12, like she's also going to get the charge pretty well. And in melee, she has eight attacks on threes at 22 D6 plus one. Does she have sweeps or anything? And then she has 10 additional attacks on threes at 511. Uh, she's going to get bogged well, down back all stuff. Uh, lash whip pods. Hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, you can't um, bog her down for yeah. sure. But she, I mean, she's still giant. What's her OC? 12. Okay, so she can park on a point and be I mean, like five. But also she full covers an objective. Five dudes man. will not take this from me. Yeah. Um, so I think I think her getting bogged down is fine because you're like, yeah, cool. Thanks for the minus one to be shot at. Anyway, I just killed you. Um, so yeah, that's probably what that that's probably what that list looks like. Um, How many points is that old one eye squad? A uh, decent amount, but I agree that that would be a nice. That'd be a fantastic synergy. chapter. To throw in there. Let me pull up that list. Uh, old one eye is one forty, and the Fexen are two fifty. So you need three ninety for that, which it's, it's probably hard to come by, but would be really sick. Yeah, probably that um, or like more stuff. Right? Like yeah, yeah, I think more. Stuff. Yeah, ten man gargs and. Yep. I think I like the Malaceptor idea just to be something tough on your natural expansion. Exactly. Like I, I think yeah, Malaceptor's tough. Yeah. yeah, he is. He is thick. All right, cool. We'll keep going. Um, all right. Do any of you have a favorite quote? Uh, this is from uh, Derek. Yo, but actually, this unit people aren't talking about. Loki bangs. What's up, dude? Uh, what is a what is a highly underrated unit that people are not using but should be talking about? It's almost certainly a bunch of stuff from CSM. Mm-hmm. It's Thunderwolves, dude. Oh, I forgot <laughs> about the funny unit. Thunderwolves are pretty good, though. That is mm-hmm. a good answer. Yeah, absolutely. Um, those boys hit insanely hard. Unfortunately, they don't. Now that we know how the rules work, you know, four months later, <laughs> they yeah. don't do. They don't ignore half damage. I mean, for, for me, it's definitely Hormigaunts. Like. Admittedly, I am the one who says they're terrible. I mean, you're the terrible. one answering the question. But uh, yeah, but I also like I mm, that unit very sick. It is fine. Um, and like gargoyles, uh, and also like small termagant units, I think are are really valuable. Um, people got really honed in on gargoyles because gargoyles are insane. But the entire Tyranid's troop slot is just covered in goodness. Yeah. Um, big fan of that. What do you think, Nick? I don't know, dude. Um, yeah, I mean, the thing is, everyone talks about every Votan unit eventually because yeah. there's nine of them. <laughs> yeah. But like, let me talk about, I like, guess, maybe some like fringe Votan meta choices, which in some other metas have got, have were already popular, but have since kind of wormed their way into the wider meta. Um, I think the Tonk, people memed on the Tonk for a while. It was pretty bad when the book came out. At this point, it's kind of a pretty good competitively priced option, like 225 points for a. Two up T twelve access to AOC. Turns out when you drive a land raider or demon to the middle of the board, it's pretty hard to kill. So like, why not run your own Votan one? Um, it paired with like five Zerkers inside is a fantastic way to just get Zerkers somewhere safe, or pair it with five Hearthguard with a character, and now you have like a bunch of wound rerolls. Who's actually a great tool in the Catan with the grenades and the the Volkites. I also think other units that people are a little hesitant to try in Votan. The six-man bike squads are insane. Uh, I know that Danny has been like skewing their virtues for months, and there's always someone who comes in and is like, "Ah, oh, but I want to run like three by three. I don't want to commit to two by six. Just, just do it. it. They're fantastic. Turning the bikes from yes, you're losing a scoring asset, turning them into a damage dealer. They are so good at doing damage. Uh, it's just a bunch of seven one two ignores cover with access to sustain two, and a third of the time you refund that because of the comms. So yeah. Um, I think that unit's great. If you really are scared about losing some of your scoring, just go one by six and like one by three bikes or one by six, two by three. Mm-hmm. The six man's great. Uh, they have the last so ones. much volume. Yeah, it's kind of insane. Yep. 
So Sweet. I think those, yeah. Sticking in the world of OTAN, John Johnson asked, question for the local call. What role are you mm. hoping for the hoped for quote unquote wave two for Votan? I think the army really needs some kind of infiltrating scout unit, as too often I find my whole scout six plan thwarted by three Nurglings stuck nine inches off my DZ. I also would Ball like to see some kind of fast melee, but I wouldn't really want to see Sags and Zerks replaced. That all being said, can't wait to add two to three more characters so we can maintain having half our data sheets being characters. What do you want to see out of wave two of OTAN, Nick? Yeah, I mean, we've definitely speculated on this before. Like, what would be cool for the game and also just cool to see as a model? Um, I think, like, a five-man infiltrating unit would be great. And I think a great role for that would either be, like, Chthonian, like, miners or something. We talked about this. Or, like, pioneers that aren't on bikes. Like, mm-hmm. right? Just, like, a little... Because, like, this is, I guess, less of an issue now that Hearthkin can be split into five-mans. Mm-hmm. Back in the ninth ed book, when they were stuck as ten-mans and that was your only troop option, it was, like, mm, a little unfortunate. Um, but, like, a five-man infiltrating unit would be great to have. Like you said, there's a lot of infiltrators, and it does suck when someone's like, oh, no infiltrators? GG, dude. Um, obviously, you can still lose that defender roll-off, but, hey, at least you got at least you got an option. Um, I think, I don't know if I'd play this model, but I think something that, like, would probably fit with that unit is, like, maybe a lone... Actually, no. A lone op would be nice. Having a lone op would be fantastic. I think probably a good, like, unit for that would be, like, a pioneer sniper mm-hmm. on foot. Just, like, lugging around, sneaking around, big backpack. Yep. Cool. That'd be cool. I think that'd be great to have. Um, and then, what is it? We were talking about, like, a big mech. Yeah. Like, Chthonian mech would be sick. Yeah. Kind of like your own dreadnought. Um, something that, like, can punch um, that is, yeah, not just infantry. Because right now you have Zerkers, which are, like, a weird unit. Mm-hmm. Like, tanky to certain things, but not really. Punch really hard. And then you have Hearthguard, which are, like, a good mixed arms unit. Um, but not a huge volume of attacks. Um, so I think a dread a dread of some kind would be cool. Um, they got to make it unique from... The problem is they have so many Imperial dreads already between all the factions. Yeah. I would want it to look the, unique, which I, I'm confident they can do, but... Votan's usually... It feels like it's very much like a mix of Imperium and, like, Tau. Kind yeah. Of. So that's what they've been doing. If you've been asking for melee crisis suits since second edition, maybe they just... Probably Votan are getting them. Yeah, yeah. unfortunately. That'd be cool. Uh, like dudes with drill hands or something. That'd be sick. Um, what else would I about? giant pickaxes. I know that there's that Votan guy in the kill team with the jetpack. Yeah. So a unit of those would be cool. Like jetpack guys with like, you know, like assault intercessor equivalent mm-hmm. with, yep. or jump cool. back assault. And then, I mean, I don't know if we're hyped about it, but we'll probably get it, the beam plane. Um, it's in like all the artwork. Um, I don't know what it'll do. Um, if it's like if it drops in like jump pack troops, that'd be sick. I'd be okay with that. Um, but you know, I hope the plane meta stays dead. So Planes are dumb. yeah, great, sweet. Uh, this is probably an appropriate question for Lucas, maybe Nick as well. I feel like I'll have a lot of practice into Death Guard. Uh, Plague Marines oh, but- and character friends, TLDR. How do they work, and what rules do they bring to the table? What's the hype on Plague Marines, dude? Plague Marines are a funny unit. Um. Just generically, obviously the Rhino is really good right now, so it is yet another power armor unit that's really good inside of a box. Um, so if you're familiar playing against Rhinos, um, you definitely will be familiar playing against Plague Marines. The biggest thing is they have a range where, you know, they don't do a lot when you're past 17 inches, but as soon as you get inside 17 inches, they mess your day up. Um, so they, they can run at you. The, the thing is, they, they'll throw all sorts of different kinds of dice at you, right? They'll shoot you with anti-infantry flamers that suddenly have, like, AP3. And you're like, okay, what the hell was that? They'll grenade you twice. They'll run in and bash you with lethal hits. So if you're relying on toughness, that's not a reliable uh, a defense there. So they're throwing all sorts of different kinds of dice at you. Uh, and they have a lot of volume as well between their plasma, their flamers, the 15 attacks in melee, plus the knives. They just have a lot of different kinds of profiles. Um, 
the biggest thing is like they can they can nuke down one target a turn with the grenades and their damage, but they're not great at just mowing through your whole army. Um, they're very good at kind of isolating one unit at a time and fighting it within contagion range. Um, so if you the the best defense is not not to let not to get into contagion range. So if you have any tool to engage them from a distance, like ignore line of sight to crack open the rhinos, um, or uh, just longer range guns, especially things in the twenty four to thirty six inch band, uh, is really strong. The other thing is um, any kind of precision where you can remove the characters in advance, especially if you're trying to engage them in melee, because the units fight first with the foul blight spawn, uh, can be really important. So um, just yeah, a you can either snipe the character out with shooting, if that's the thing your army can do. Um, not a lot of armies can, so perhaps the better alternative is run in, use something like a fight on death or an interrupt block uh, with a fodder unit to precision out their characters with epic challenge, uh, and then the squads are a lot less tough. Uh, sorry, not a lot less tough, but a lot less uh, hard-hitting. So, any tips against Death Guard, Nick? Uh, tips against Death Guard? Um, I mean, it's pretty generic stuff. Like, it's, you know, melee army in transports. Um, cracking the rhinos as soon as possible is extremely important. Um, don't, like, full push towards them <laughs> if you're not killing anything. Uh, we had Tanner on last week, and he famously talked about how everyone did that to him, and then he just walked out and killed them because they got in his threat range. Um, they shoot a lot harder than you think uh, with the plasma guns and the anti-infantry flamers and the lethal hits from the biology guy that works in shooting as well. Like, um, I mean, people were complaining about Votan last edition, right? Having five set auto wound, four set auto wound. I found that like the five set auto wound, very easy to get, very strong. Death Guard just have that on Plague Marines by bringing like a 40, 50 point character. Yeah. <clears throat> so don't underestimate their damage output. Um, they really want to yeah. bog you down. So if you can lead with something cheap or really weak, that they, you have to, you force them to commit to it, because their army at the end of the day is elite squads of marines and rhinos, elite brigands, PBCs. Like they don't have a lot of crap. They don't have scouts or cultists or something to throw on objectives. So the classic counter to that kind of approach is to just lead with some garbage and force them to overcommit, and then you can pounce on them. Yeah, yeah. you can get them out of the rhinos. It's great. I I would be remiss if I didn't mention the fact that Plague Marines are 1032s with 240s or threes trying to get out of a Rhino. It's easy to keep them in the Rhino. Very easy to keep those guys stuck in. As a reminder, the rules on this is that if you want to disembark before the unit the transport moves, which you want to do if you want to, you know, charge with them, yep. um, you need, uh, well, first of all, two things. First of all, uh, you need to be able to get everyone out wholly within three. You cannot emergency disembark if the Rhino didn't die. Yep. And 532s strung out keeps that from happening comfortably. Yep. They gotta be outside of an inch they gotta be holding within three of the rhino. And as another reminder, if the rhino falls back, you cannot disembark after a fallback. You can only disembark after a normal move. So if you can get at one rhino dead and the plague marines crippled and yep. the other rhino wrapped with five idiots, like now the death guard player is in an awkward as hell situation. And like that can be back breaking immediately if you're able to do that while staging a bunch of guns. Like look for that opportunity when you have it. Yeah. Did we talk about the characters too for them? Right now. Oh, we should, we should take, you did ask that, yeah. Yeah, the Foul Blight Spawn gives them fight first. Yep. The um, biology professor, the biologist Future Fire, gives them um, lethal fives in melee and shooting, and once per game, he throws an extra grenade for free, so they can double grenade. Yep. He's also got a good assault grenade. It's good anti-infantry, and the biology, not the biology, the Foul Blight Spawn has a fantastic anti-infantry flamer. Yeah, it just adds to the amount of random damage to crap they're going to yep. throw your way in a given turn. Hard to charge, but like Tyler said, you don't even need to full wrap a rhino to stop them from getting out, which can just be... A completely unexpected trick uh, mm -hmm. that a lot of them aren't ready for. Absolutely. Yep.
Um, but yeah, the other thing with that, like the riot, the plaguemen's are their only melee often. Like sometimes they'll have the terminators, but I, I run into a lot of death card where it's like check out all the rhinos and boxes, and then yep. PBCs and guns. Mm-hmm. And like if you can wrap all the rhinos, the game's over. The game is over. It's dance. All right, sweet. Uh, Follow up question: Scott, uh, Scott has a super major coming up. He's sending in March. What what should he play going to the wider meta? He has GSC, Thousand Suns, and Astralotero. I think it's a pretty easy question. <laughs> well, I mean, if, yeah, all things equal, like if you're equally practiced on all those, I would definitely either play um, guard or T-Suns. Just play guard. Just Probably play, play guard. guard. Yeah. Um, I mean, as we talked about earlier in the show, mm-hmm. especially if you're living in the U.S., guard haven't really caught on yet. No, U.S. And guard players are all mouth breathers, so, like, yeah, no one People is... aren't really prepared for them. They're like, yeah, this guy destroyed a bunch of tanks. I mean, I killed him. Weird. You know, he had a lot of AP, I guess. Um, people aren't really prepared for guard. If you feel practiced on guard... The meta is wide open for them right now, and there's a lot of cute lists people are going to bring that are just going to crumple to guard. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, like if you have like two guard reps and like a hundred T Suns reps, you're probably going to be better T Suns. Uh, we were talking about that army the other day, where that army is, and I mean also it's been set on stat check too, like they're playing eleventh edition, yada yada. Yeah. That army is very strong and is like theoretical infinite damage, but it's also the easiest army for your opponent to accidentally walk into a game winning position. Yep. Like, you could have two rubric squads somewhere, and they kill five guys, and you're like, nah, you know, acceptable loss. And then they kill these five guys on this specific part of the board, and you're like, I've lost the game. They're about to go win the game for me, dude. I lost the game. And your opponent's like, what do you mean? I just shot five guys. So you got to watch out for that with T-Suns. Um, yeah. Your opponent I, can definitely trip into a winning position. It's also worth mentioning, like, play whichever... Like, these armies are all playable at Super Major level. GSC less so than the other two, but even them. Like, play the thing that you're going to have the most fun losing with, Sure. I think at the end of the day, right? If you like, you're gonna have fun winning no matter what you're playing with. If losing a game with Tsons makes you rip your fucking hair out because you can't believe that like the perfect thing didn't line up just right, like don't and that devastates them. you, don't play Tsons. If you cannot stand the fact that someone caught a beat on you, blew up twenty dudes, and the game ends in the spot as GSC, don't play that. Yeah. But also, if you really hate the fact that you didn't shell someone to pieces and they passed a couple too many invulns and you lost his guard. Like, you're putting a lot more of the game on Dice's guard than you are with some of these other options here. True. Um, so figure out what it is that is going. you are going to sleep at night best with going X and 1 with, um, because you're going to have a great time if you win a Super Major. Like yep. that's, that, that is not the experience you need to optimize for. If your only focus is winning, play guard. But if you're focused on having a good time, figure out what's going to hurt the least when you lose. All right, and last question here from John. Um, talk me through the basics of deploying pure GSC. How aggressive are you with the Abbeys? How about the pure change of the Patriarch? Sick question. The rules have changed, and this is my least favorite part of the balance data slate, is that you can infiltrate with redeploys now. This was a stupid change. Because, yes. because what it allows you to do, basically, is I am the, def- like, as a redeploy three army with GSC, I am the defender cool, my aberrants or my pure strengths, depending if I'm running aberrants or not, make a giant line all the way across midfield and block off all of midfield from my opponent's infiltrators. I put the rest of my infiltrators wherever I want, and I redeploy those aberrants into the correct spot in the first place. So, like, that's your first move as defender, or if your opponent doesn't have infiltrators, you don't have to do this, obviously, but that's the thing. The second thing is that with that change, like, the fake out is super available, right? Like, you should always be deploying your aberrants first of, like, hey, boom! Aberrants. What are you going to do about it? And if your opponent doesn't respect it, bummer. And if they do respect it, cool. You go put them somewhere else. Like, be mega aggressive because you get there are like you get full take backs. Like, there's nothing that's real about GSC. Redeploys. Um, keep in mind your units that you want to um, 
start on the table to up and down turn one if you go second. I like a neophyte unit and an acolyte unit, so you can threaten both of those things at once, um, but not necessarily uh, doubling down. I, I think you're, you're in trouble. Obviously, you don't want to do double bomba units because that won't do anything, but I think having an acolyte unit on the table is worth it, even though they prop, they won't be able to, um, if they don't also have a Nexos, use plus one Blissful and AP, don't throw your Nexus away at that. So I like Neos with Primus, Akos on their own, and then aggressive with the midboard. Um, as far as the Genesis the Patriarch are concerned, I think that unit is best off ingressing because it lets you take advantage of the 12-inch battle shocks in the fight phase. It's very sick when that works on your opponent's turn and then your whole turn they're battle shocked. It just makes so many things a lot easier. And also like that unit just goes so fast. Like it, it solves the infiltrator problem so well. Because yep. it's like, all right, cool, yeah, I'm outside of 12, great. Anyway, I go 8 plus D6 in charge. Yep. You're dead. Um, and, page, and a Patriarch with 10 pure strains comfortably wipes 5 infiltrators off the face of the map. Yes. Just don't get them shot at uh, or overwatched. But also, pure strains can stand up to overwatch pretty well because they're 2 wounds. Two wounds yeah. But anyway, oh, really? that's the... Yeah, yeah two, two wounds. wounds yeah. yeah, they made that change last year. All the edition. sealers are 2, it's yep. pretty cool. All the sealers are 2. Um, but yes, that's kind of kind of my... Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of my thought process <laughs> on... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Sad. That's the thought process on GSC deployment if you're playing mono. Obviously, things change a lot when you have some guard in there, but we're assuming mono for about a team setting. You're just like playing mono GSC. So uh, that's what I would recommend there. Sweet. That covers everything that's talked about in our show questions section on the Discord. If you want your questions answered live on the show, you can check out our Patreon to get access to the Discord. It's only 5 bucks a month, and any question you ask on there that's reasonable will get talked about on the show. I know it's one question we didn't answer because we're saving it for another episode. Um, you know who you are. Um, but yeah, uh, make sure you check out the rest of the shows on the network. Uh, I know this was a really quick episode because we're out at the beach. We're going to back to the grind. Sure. Um, but uh, check out, uh, of course, the OG stat check. Check out Into the Matrix for your hot teams content brought to you um, by some of the best teams minds in the world from Team Poland and England, I think. Do you have a yeah. on that? Yeah, Team Poland and Team England. Uh, check out X and One if you're who are interested in learning how to balance uh, the hobby uh, with uh, you know being a regular person with a job and you know a family or something. Pathetic nerds. Um, we love you, Tim and um, Cliff. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, and look forward to uh, we'll have some battle reports coming out pretty soon. We've already filmed a couple of them. Just got to do some of the commentary and whatnot for those. Yes, sir. Uh, so look forward to that. Be ready for the um, stat reps, boys. Hell yeah, they're dude. gonna be lit. Sweet. We will be back uh, for some more uh, meat and potatoes kind of content uh, shortly. Our next big tournament isn't for a full three weeks, so we should be back next weekend with uh, yep. some more nonsense. This should is going to be. be a regular slot now, Saturdays, 10 a.m. Pacific. Yep. Um, it will be 10 a.m. because we will not be staying up late at the beach. It'll actually be 10 a.m. He said it. Not me. You heard him. Um, <laughs> sweet. Looking forward to that. Anyway, uh, with that all being said and done, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, guys. I've been Tyler. I've been Nick. I'm still Lucas, baby. And I'm still sleepy. <laughs> nice. That's a week out of life. For this week, thank you so much. And we'll catch you in the next one. Bye, nerds. Take care, everyone. We go pee on a tree. You do that, bro. I will. <laughs>